Hey everyone, so before we start this podcast, I want to go ahead and let you all in on the little joke I played on TJ. Um, it's really just, just not even a joke. I, when the podcast starts, you'll hear a moment of silence, and it's when I was supposed to start the introduction, and I just kind of waited to see what happened if I didn't do it, and let TJ do it instead. Never done that before, so I threw him off a good bit. I found it funny. Just want to let you all in on what was going on. So when you hear that silence right after the theme, that's just TJ being confused. Alright, hope you all enjoy. Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. Your favorite church unity podcast. Probably. If you want to hear from pastors, professors, and everything in between. Right, sure. And, you know, the occasional train talk. Right, right, yeah. Uh, have we got the podcast for you. Alright. Welcome to the Old Church Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Blackwell, and uh, he means Tiberius. This is your co-host, Joshua Knoll. Uh, yeah. I believe Joshua has something to say. I uh, I was really waiting on you to do it. We've never had you start introducing it, so I thought that would be fun. Was it fun? No. So, uh, before we do anything else, we're having a train talk for three weeks in a row. Because I have to... I thought it was a spinoff of a regular show. Turns out... PJ was right. It wasn't. What happened was, three years ago is when they had the pilot episode, which I think it must have came on right after regular show, and I just thought it was the same thing. It's not. But, yeah, so they did a pilot episode three years ago, and they just now made the TV show happen as a miniseries. So, what's that? Um, and while we're talking about trains, Spirit Train is the best level on Smash Bros. Nope. Yep. Alright, uh, we're, we're here today with Pastor Sylvia Staten. We're not officially in the game right now. I'm saying that's it for trains, hmm? We never do that. We're here today with Pastor Sylvia Staten. Uh, I've been a pastor at this church been right now for six years. Six years. And yeah. anything uh, that you think we should know about you? And, uh... Well, my name is Pastor Sylvia B. Staten. Um, I started my ministry here at the Rock Hill Church in another location. Um, in 1984, I was sent out to pastor my first church, which I pastored for 17 years. Um, then I evangelized for 17 years, and now I'm here pastoring again, and this is my sixth year. I guess if you add all that up and plus 100, that's how old I am. Wow. So does that that makes her older than Legolas, right? How old was Legolas in the Lord of the Rings? Uh, technically, he was like three hundred and twenty something. Well, I thought I'm he was just like I thought he was like in his hundreds, like low hundreds. I don't think so. But I do look good for my age. <laughs> yeah, I think. So. I mean, if, if we're adding a hundred all that, you yeah. do look fantastic for your age. <laughs> I, it looks like she's still breathing. It's amazing. <laughs> so, um, you want to? Yeah, so, is Pastor your first name? It's, no. Well, oh, sometimes it is. Sometimes. All right. So let's get into our icebreaker question. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, my. We can answer first if you would rather. You can ask first. Um, <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? I, after, after establishing she's over 100 years. Yes. Yeah. When you grow up. I want to be a biological researcher, and I want to live on Mars. Mm-hmm. So I want to be living on Mars when I grow up. Am I allowed to say legless? Nope. Man. Um. Okay, so serious answer. I think I... I want to be a professor and also a park ranger. 
My favorite park, Cumberland Island, which we do an annual trip. If anyone wants to join us, you can email us at thewholechurch@gmail.com. But uh, go to Cumberland Island, and uh, their park rangers go for like a couple months at a time. So my real goal right now is to be a professor and then who spends his summer being the park ranger at Cumberland Island. Well, when I grow up, whatever I want to be, it's not going to be on Mars, and it won't be in a park. Um, what about a park on Mars? No. That's still on Mars. Yes. <laughs> I I would like to be um, still preaching. Um, hope, joy, and healing to people that need Jesus. All right. So, nothing new. Nothing new. That's good. It's always good to be where you want to be. Yes. Most people don't get to do that. Oh, yeah. So you, you want to start actually asking questions? Yeah. Did you mention Patreon at all? Nope. <laughs> should we? We can do that. Now you should follow us on Facebook and Instagram and also on Patreon. <laughs> Why should they follow us on Patreon? All right, well, if you support us on Patreon, you get access to a bunch of extra content that we like to do. Uh, you get to hear the podcast early, and we do a too long didn't listen series that we're proud of. Uh, I love that series. Uh, they usually end up being about a minute long, but we ask our guests to summarize the podcast in ten seconds or less, or less. The record right now is like one and a half seconds. Right? Yeah. yeah, that was that was fantastic. Um, and also it helps support everything we do. We do a lot of traveling and a lot of hardware that we need and software and all that good stuff. So it's a great place to help us do what we do and hear. Honestly, the 10-second thing, I think, is worth it by itself. It's so funny to hear, especially because we talk to a lot of, like, pastors and Mm -hmm. scholars from different colleges, and to hear them, like, summarize stuff so quickly, it gets amusing. It does. Yeah. All right. With that being said, now that we've finally finished our introduction, (laughs) we're going to jump into the first question, which is, um, well, first, uh, we'd like to ask you some about your church. Uh, How would you describe your church, too? Um, I describe my church on our flyers as a church in the heart of the city with the city in its heart, a church that is reaching out to this community, hopefully to make a difference. We are um, a lively church, um, intense singing, intense worship, intense praise. And that's a lot of that is kind of associated with the cultural background. Yes. Could you comment on that any? Well, I think in the question that you sent me, you asked to compare the two. Um, And I think black churches seem to have more intense worship. I have been a state evangelist here in South Carolina for many years, and so I've been to all different kind of churches. And our worship is much more intense, uh, much more lively. Uh, much more freeing. Now, not to say that white churches are not, but we just kind of we're just kind of more expressive yeah. in our worship. Y'all just love Jesus more. Well, I would <laughs> say we love Jesus more. I've been blessed in white church worship. Um, I'd like to take it another further, but um, <laughs> I love uh, there. your son when he he used to do worship for the youth retreats. Yes, yeah, yes, Abram. I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Abram Camp, once or twice. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. It was so much fun. I, I know it involves a lot of a lot of dancing. Yes. A lot of screaming. Yeah. He, he gets, yeah, he gets everybody involved. Like, uh, yes. all right, when I say this, y'all got to praise the Lord. And like, all yeah. right, all right, let's do it. And he's still doing that great now guy. as a cap, captain in the Army. Um, he's a chaplain. Oh, wow. And that's still so cool. doing that. Awesome worship. I'd love to see him again. Is yes. He, is he ever around? Well, he preached for me here uh, for Father's Day. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I need a... I want to, like a place where I can follow him so I can update when he's. Well, like, he's on <laughs> Facebook. Um, That's smart. What is it? Gospel, cha- Gospel Chapel. It's the Army base. I'll get it to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, why do you think it is that it's more lively? Is it just a cultural thing? Is it a historic thing? Or I think um, if you think about what blacks or minorities go through. Because I've seen this happen at Hispanics church too. Um, we suffer more in society than other cultures. Mm-hmm. And so when we get to church where we can be free, um, you know, we don't mind shouting, dancing, running, waving our hands because we have to, I think, get into that place with God because we catch it in society. Right. And have you ever noticed that? If you were doing a mixed, like, culture service, that it would be less lively than usual. Not just from, you know, the white people in the audience who just want to stand there and raise their hands. Yes. But hey, sometimes yeah. I do a whole, like, four-finger raise. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> He's crazy. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, you might need to take him to Mars. But, um, <laughs> yes, I think um, sometimes when our congregations mix, uh, white people tend to look at us as more entertaining, mm. but we're not entertaining. This is for real. And I've watched them when they come to our church, and we have white members here, uh, just get more involved, more involved. It can probably be a little scary initially, but the more you get involved, the more comfortable. Well, it's like a... This might, this might not be the best of metaphors, but I'm, like, I'm thinking of like when I was at Charleston Southern. Mm-hmm. I was going because they had a big group that got together to watch the football games. Yes, and, uh, you know they not like Charleston Southern's football game. We'd watch uh, you know anytime Clemson played, anytime mm-hmm. Clemson played, they'd get together and watch it. And I had to very quickly stop doing that because I realized it just wasn't as much like they would watch it and be like, "Oh yeah, that was good. That was a good score." I'm like, oh man, what a good cat. Oh, that was some good D. And that just, it just bothered calm me and laid back. Like, yeah, it bothered me because mm-hmm. like growing up. I had friends like, shout out to Felipe. He would come yeah. over specifically to watch my mom watch football. Yeah. Because you get to hear her yell stuff like, rip his legs off and kick him in the butt with it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, like, yeah, she, she's she's crazy about yeah. it. Yeah. So I got to where I just stopped doing it. I was like, I'm either going to go home and watch football or I'm going to invite, like, I had friends who I knew would get into it. Yes. Because like, it's just, it's, even if there's less people, it's just a better experience mm-hmm. when, like, you're yelling for people to rip each other's legs yes. off. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I've often used that analogy in my preaching where the worship was very laid back. And and I've let people know, I know you can scream. I know you can get involved because oh, I, I watch you watch football games or <laughs> baseball games or basketball games. So are you calling my mom out? Yeah. yeah she well, listens. how does she worship? Sandy. <laughs> okay. Where I talk to you. <laughs> but uh, I, I have a lot of friends who weren't raised Church of God of Prophecy, whereas, you know, Baptist or Presbyterian, mm-hmm. and they'll come into my church and they'll be kind of shocked. I imagine it's kind of the same thing going from mm-hmm. a white service to a non-white service. Mm-hmm. 
in the dom- denomination. Yes. Yeah. So probably, yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes I've had to ask our churches when I would do revival, not calling out any particular church, but we are still Pentecostal, aren't we? <laughs> we are charismatic, aren't we? We are holiness. Um, but I think our worship needs to be felt. Now, if anyone's listening and they don't know, all three of us are part of the Church of God of Prophecy. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's that's important. We don't we don't usually talk about our organization. We usually mm-hmm. just usually focus on what we're talking to. So it's it's nice when we ask someone from our church. Yes. Like, oh yeah, Pentecostal talk time. <laughs> At one time we we talked. We were supposed to talk about something completely different. We ended up spending like forty minutes talking about speaking in tongues yeah. with uh, yeah. Miss Mandy and Chris Galloway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was of course, that awesome. yeah. And they actually talked a lot about how when you go to other camps, the yes. other denominations, a lot of times it feels like you can tell God's there, mm-hmm. but it's like you want to, you got to break through that that next level. Yes, it's almost like you can tell there's kind of a barrier mm-hmm. to worship. You know? Now, and loud does not necessarily mean yeah. you're in touch with God either. Mm-hmm. I want to make that clear. Yeah, a lot of people fake it. I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, our question from Lance. Which was interesting. I, I haven't seen this, but Lance says he's seen a lot of stuff like on Instagram and different places where um, people of other ethnicities have been talking on Instagram about how, oh, you shouldn't be Christian because that's a white man's religion. Mm-hmm. And um, Lance was uh, wondering if you were to speak to someone, you know, a young African American or something who felt that way, like they didn't want to be Christian because that's a white man's church, you mm-hmm. know, how, how would you address that person who felt that way? Um. Number one, it would not be, I would address the the issue of, uh, what do you say, white man's white religion. Man, white man, yeah, and I think they get that from, they're, they're trying to pull from the reference of slavery and how uh, back in slavery, the white people did dominate us or scare us with the word. Uh, one particular passage that comes to mind, Servants obey your masters, and this, that, and the other, and um, so much talk now among young people. I think not wanting to be truly committed, but you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's where I think I would go with them in letting them know Jesus is not black, he's not white, he's not Hispanic, he's Jesus, God's son. So it's just one of those things that's kind of like the current heavy counterculture exactly. thing. You have to get rid of those notions of everything's like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's and, and it's I guess vaguely related, but I remember hearing someone talk. He was talking about the home issue of homosexuality mm-hmm. and how you know a lot of them bring up the issue of that's their identity and blah, and we're attacking them. And he said, "No, listen." Christianity attacks everybody's identity. You're mm-hmm. no longer black, white, gay, not yes. you, your identity in is the family in of God. Yes. yes. So I think that's I think that's a big thing is it's an identity problem. And that's mm-hmm. where um a lot of people I'm trying to think of the really word. So I listen to this guy Lecrae. I don't know if he's yeah. Lecrae, mm-hmm. a Christian rapper, great mm-hmm. guy. And he, he gets questioned a lot. In one of his songs he talks about how people wonder about segregation. Like, why, why is there still white and black churches? Mm-hmm. This is, and he makes a statement that that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know how true that is, but why why is there still black and white churches? Like, why, why do we do that? I think, one, um, it's hard to break those racial barriers here in the South. 
Southeast mm-hmm. uh, America. Um, I think a lot of times if uh, our churches were not separated to a degree, we one culture will get swallowed up by the other. And that's one part of my answer for one of your questions is that we've got to, when we do come together, which I think we will, we've got to allow each race to be who they are and appreciate and respect who they are and what they are and what they have to offer. But I think now in most of our churches in the South, um, if we combined, there would be no black leaders. Because I think the mindset of a lot of Southern whites is that blacks don't know as much as they do. Does that make sense? Yeah. And um, and we would lose out as in having leadership position. We already struggle with it now, but um, more so. That's a um, that's actually a pretty good segue into one of our questions, where in Christianity Today says the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Christianity Today, uh, mo- the most spiritually sound churches do tend to be African American churches. Yeah. Um, they, they did a, I think they did a poll. I forget how many different people, but it was all across you know America, mm-hmm. and they're just polling um, you know different questions about the scripture, or how you know if you believe in the authority of scripture alone, mm-hmm. if you believe in the scriptural account of creation and all that, and yeah, it's it, they came up with the people who are most traditionally. Mm-hmm. You know, in tradition of, I don't know how do you word that. The traditional interpretation of scripture and mm-hmm. in, uh, sola scriptura, they say the people strongest in it right now is mm-hmm. the African American church. Is there a? And I think that may be because as as a people, we've always had a stricter code of discipline. Um, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I, I graduated from Columbia Columbia International University. And I was in one of my psychology classes, and the, he brought up this scenario of a white child being disciplined by his parents. Now, he had broken the dad's arm. I was the only black in the class. And head-butted the mom. And he asked the class, and there's probably about five or six of us, what would you do? So, me being the only black in the class. Beat him. I am dumbfounded. You know, I'm, and you know, others said, well, we would talk to him and we'd, uh, no. Absolutely not. Before <laughs> or after the police comes, you know, on the corner. <laughs> um, so, in, in, in terms of sticking with the scripture, we've always had a stricter code of discipline. So, we want to obey God to the fullest. And that discipline, or that strict code of discipline, even goes towards Serving God, obeying the word, walking that word. I hope that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. I have, personally, I can't imagine breaking my dad's arm and mm-hmm. getting talked to about it. Oh, no. oh, you got that right. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be eat for a couple of days. Mm-mm, I'm just curious if I'd survive it. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> After that, you that come out of the coma. <laughs> I, mean, so, I, I thought that truck hitting me was bad, but I, oh I, I promise that'll be worse. So, oh, man. But we've always had a stricter code of discipline because it was a matter of life and death in society mm-hmm. that we had to obey certain rules. 
Um, I've had to have conversations with my sons that you all probably didn't have to have with your parents. Um, if you're driving and the police stops you, put your hands on the dashboard. You let the police officer know every move you're making. I'm going into the glove compartment to get my insurance card. These are conversations that you all probably have not had to have, but I had to give this to my boys. Such a horrible thing that is kind still of alive and well today. Actually made its way into modern society. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely Sad. ridiculous. So, the first question that pops in my mind with that is, does that need for discipline, does it carry on? Last week we, we talked to Donald Whitney, who's the mm-hmm. author of Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Okay. So, I, I'm kind of wondering then is, is that mindset, does it carry on? Are you more, do you feel like you got people in your church are more likely to be disciplined in the sense of, I pray every day, every night, this is how I say my prayer. I do this every day. You're I talking pass. about legalistic. Yeah. Yeah. Are they a lot more likely to do the disciplines? Do you feel like I think are? no, because here we, we concentrate more on grace than the law. Yeah. And 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 one of my in, in my messages I stress God honors every attempt that you make towards him. Um, therefore saying, um, you don't have to just pray a certain way. You don't have to say, oh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, you don't have to uh, wear a robe or get in sackcloth and ashes. You don't have to pray at 6 and at 12 and at 6. Oh, you don't do that? No. I, say, I think she just cut my prayer down, <laughs> down in like half. Well, no, because what grace is much harder. I think in some ways than the law, because the Bible says pray without ceasing. So I pray while I drive. I pray while I cook. I pray while I'm watching the news. I pray, you know, without ceasing. Has when did you start? When did you start praying like that? Um, I want to think I. I developed this type of relationship with the Lord probably back in the 80s. Um, you know, I was a teenager in the late 60s and early 70s. But somehow or another, I got this relationship, walking, talking relationship with God that you just don't have a certain hour of prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard of, is it Father Lawrence or Father Brown? Father Lawrence, I think. He was a, a monk in the, maybe, way back. And he said that people talk about having a certain hour of prayer. Mm-hmm. But he cannot distinguish a certain hour of prayer from his daily prayer because he prays all the time. I'm praying that hour anyway. So. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So when he first started that kind of relationship with what was the biggest difference you saw in your life? The biggest difference was coming to the realization that God was not mad at me. That God was not some white man with a beard sitting in a big chair yeah. ready to knock me out that's how anytime I made a mistake. That's how he's portrayed. That's how he's portrayed. At least in the sentence. <laughs> well, in a lot of our churches, too. You know, I was raised up, old Church of God of Prophecy, 
I was actually thinking about this yesterday. No makeup, no pants. No makeup, no no lipstick, chapstick, finger rings, earrings, yeah. makeup, nothing. And no and what? No bowling. No bowling, no, no skating, no yeah. ball, no dancing, no you couldn't tap your foot. If you tapped your foot to the wrong kind of song, you were backslid. So you gotta start oh, all man, over again. Yes, I I'm just awful. You are you know, the worst. <laughs> so, you know, we were all headed to hell. There was no way we could make it. Um you couldn't hum, you couldn't whistle, you couldn't laugh. I'm taking the highway. <laughs> but when I realized that Father God is a loving God, that He so loved the world that He gave, and He's continued to give. And when you walk in that grace, there is no other choice but to grow closer to him mm-hmm. and in him. God doesn't care if you wear eyeliner or not. He does. Just you know, kind of don't wear it. as you want. Man, well, y'all, I would look so different next week. <laughs> <laughs> next week's podcast will be so interesting. Uh, <laughs> 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 Who will you interview? It will be for you. Who will you interview? Uh, yeah. huh. Who is next week? Two people? I thought. I don't know. Oh, sure. I, don't I thought know. it might have been Becky Walker. Yeah, anyway, so <laughs> we we sorry, I got a little sidetracked. Yeah, yeah, so I like talking about prayer, but mm-hmm. um, we talked about earlier some of the differences between white and ch- black church and mm-hmm. like uh, worship style. What um, what's the difference in need? Like if if we were trying to reach the needs of your church, your community, if we were trying to help you guys, what what would that look like? Be a little bit more specific with that question. Meet the needs. Like, do you mean spiritual needs? Uh, yes. Or material needs? Both? What's, um, do you think there's a big difference in why people who, like, go to our church, why they go, as opposed to people who come to your church? Um, other than race? Um, I, I just think that I tend to think that our style of worship is more intense. Um, you know, I had one white young lady that attended our church, and if the praise team is singing our song and the Lord inspires me to say something about that song, here we have every right to stop. Let me tell you what this means, and and what it does is intensifies the worship. We go right back to singing the song. Yeah. And, it, you know, so we take our liberty. Um, and she said to me, there is no way in the church that I came from would you ever get off the schedule. Sometimes our worship is so intense, I don't get to preach. Mm-hmm. Because God can do more, and the Spirit of God can do more in, in 30 seconds than I can do in a 25-minute message. So we just take that liberty to obey the Spirit of God. And when God goes home, we go home. So it's it's more so you'll stay till four or five. Oh no, we no, we don't stay that long. No, it's more intentional yes. in its message. In more what God wants. Yes. 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 Well, and it doesn't take God to four or five o'clock to do it. <laughs> you know he can do it. At a quarter to twelve, <laughs> he can do it at twelve fifteen. I don't know that all the time when I'm hungry. All right, man, you you could get this done in time for me to be lunch yes. rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have seen it happen before in yes. my church mm-hmm. just once. 
where we sang the whole time. There was no message. That's right. Everyone was, felt fulfilled. And the worship was intense. Mm-hmm. And needs were met. Also, I was thinking of a time my my father was my, my dad's part time evangelist. Okay. And he, he was speaking at a, my grandparents' church in I'm trying to think what I guess it's near Pulaski, Virginia. I don't know where the church was. Mm-hmm. So it's right there on the border. And they were doing worship and they started singing the song, um yeah, I don't know the name of the song. This is the year of you Oh, you know what I'm trying to Jehovah. Um these are the days of... of yeah, these are the days of Elijah. These yeah. Are the days of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the course, it talks about a, this is the year of Jubilee. Yes. Says, right? Mm-hmm. And I know um, my dad got up and he explained what Jubilee was. Yes. And, you know, that wasn't his message. Mm-hmm. Only did he got up and was like, hey, this is what Jubilee is. This is what this song is actually mm-hmm. saying is that this is the year that we are free. Yes. This is the year that our debts are gone away. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he read like one scripture, sat back down, told him to sing the song again. Mm-hmm. And people started like laying out in the spirit. Everyone's... In the spirit, mm. I think service lasted longer than any of the other nights where he actually preached. Yeah, and yeah, it was just the same song. Mm-hmm. It was a really good time. And I think, I think we just got to be become more uh, aware of his presence and more sensitive to his spirit, and be free to obey, to be free to flow mm-hmm. in that. Be less prideful in what yes. you have to say. Yes, the big issue we have. So then, um. Would you say that's that's just the biggest difference? Is just the liveliness in worship, or what other differences have you noticed? <laughs> um, black churches don't complain as much. <laughs> you know, we don't call the overseer about the pastor, and we want a new pastor, and we got to get him out of here. And and I notice that in white churches, that man, if they don't like it. They don't oh, yeah. call. Well, you used well, to be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but but we don't do that. Um, and I'm not saying that there's, there may be some time when, when a call needs to be made. Yeah. But um, we have a higher reverence for our pastors and leaders. You know, nobody in this church will call me Sylvia. Not even my children. They'll call me Pastor oh. or Sister Staten. You know, here at church. Uh, now, when we're at home, it's a different thing. But, uh, or if I go out shopping with one of the ladies, but here, I'm Pastor Staten. And, and those lines never cross. I think sometimes in white churches, and I've shared this with white pastors, bishops, uh, calling, allowing your members to call you by your first name just kind of puts you on their level. Mm-hmm. And not that you're trying to be superior. Yeah. But, you know, you, you cannot call the president of the United States by his first name. He's president. Uh, Even after he's that. out of office, he's president. Mr. President. Mm-hmm. So, um, if, yeah, I've seen it happen in my church where uh, someone sitting in the audience during service says, you tell him, Bo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And it just kind of puts you on the level. You know, my children would never call me Sylvia. It's mom. I remember preaching a message at a church in Columbia, and I was using Abram. He had his—he was a captain, had his army fatigues on because he came from Fort Jackson. And in the illustration, he had to call me Sylvia. And here he is, every bit of 28, 29. <laughs> and he says, I said, call me Sylvia. 
are you sure it's okay? I mean, <laughs> 200 people. Are you sure? I said, boy, call me Sylvia. I, I've never said that before, you know. So there is a reverence and a respect. Man, I just wish all of our listeners <laughs> knew her son well enough to picture that. Because that is just a great, <laughs> big, muscular guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Boy, <laughs> boy, call me. Of course, now, Abraham had no problem calling me Sylvia. But, um, um, but yeah. I've, uh, that's definitely something that's not just a white or black issue. Like, I refuse to call my parents by their first name, but both of my sisters have done it since they were young. Mm. It's just... Well, I know parents that let the children it's so come. Because, you know, we're, we're, I live in uptown Charlotte, so there's so many people from, like, West Coast and all, yeah, all, all the other yeah. places. As a whole I, like, different world. Even people who are, like, slightly younger than me, like, it's just, I've always been mm-hmm. told, you say yes, ma'am, you say yes, yes, sir. So, like, even people younger than me, mm-hmm. yes, ma'am. And they just think it's the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, it is. That's how you address people. You say yes, sir, to me sometimes, and I think that is bizarre. Mm-hmm. The, but, but, but look at society should, now. Yeah. And look at the respect and the disrespect. Um, as a girl, you never would call a grown woman by her first name. It would be Miss Mary or Miss Betty or Mr. Tom. You would never call an adult by just by the first name. I think my dad would say, he goes to, uh, I think it's Ephesians 5. It's something we've used on this podcast a lot. Or mm-hmm. four. I'm pretty sure it's five. Four is the other side. Anyway, but uh, either four or five. I won't look it up, but the Bible says, uh, Paul says, that you submit one to another. Another, yes. Yeah. And I think part of that is how you address one another. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm submitting to someone if I'm like, what's up, Tommy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if I say that to TJ, I just feel like I'm not submitting to you. I'm just... Greedy. Yeah. Or like, if you ask me to do something, and I'm like, sure, or nah, can't do that, Tom. Mm-hmm. I just... That's not submitting. It's yes, sir. I'm going to do what you ask me to do mm-hmm. because I respect you. Yeah. Well, look at the army. You got to say yes, yeah. sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, mm-hmm. no, ma'am. It's yeah. just a, a, a thing of respect, and I think it's five twenty-one. According to where you are, sorry, it's Ephesians five twenty-one. It's mm-hmm. not five twenty-one p.m. Yes, yeah, yeah correct. Kind of scared me there. <laughs> I was about to say, like, how in the world? Oh, yes, yeah. time flies. <laughs> So with, um, and I'm sure there's plenty of other differences in the churches, but uh, what do you think would be the best way to help us more closely unite mm-hmm. across ethnic divides? Okay. I think, um, and as I was writing this down, um, I think the church has to fall in love with Jesus over and over and over again. Um, I think it's even, is it Matthew 24 says, when did I see you hungry? When did I see you? Jesus said, and as much as you've done it unto the least. I've I've come to the conclusion that we cannot win a world that we don't love. Um, And if we don't love each other, we definitely can't win them out there. So we've got to fall in love with Jesus again and again and again. Um, it, there can be no more we, they, or them. We just love you people. You know, I remember how we addressed them. Yes, and you know, when, back in the day when we would go to white churches, 
uh, for a district meeting, you know, we be addressed as, we just love you people. Mm. Mm, that sounds so awful. Yes, well, it is. Um, so we got to get away from we, they, and them. And we've got to be so in love with Jesus that we can be convicted for prejudices that we are not even aware that we have. So what's practically how does an average person do that? You preach here at a church in the middle of Rock Hill. Yes. I attend the church kind of on the other side of Rock Hill. Mm-hmm. How would the practically just one of the members just you know, an average person from either church, how would they better unite with one another, if that makes sense? Well, um, we'd have to be willing to accept each other's differences. You have to mm-hmm. be willing to accept each other's differences, not let there be a wrong or right, yeah. but just, we're just different. Um, because as long as I, I stand on my soapbox and you're on yours, we had a stalemate, yeah. and nothing happens. And the world is, has a, a a front row view of our disdain yeah. for each other or uh, our tolerating each other. I've got to allow God to tear that down in my heart. One scripture says, i got to prefer my brother. And it's got to happen on both sides. It's got to happen on both sides. So I guess I am the average person who attends my church this time, which is great. So what would, what would be the best way for me to do that? Like, would it just be a matter of asking someone from your congregation if they wanted to have lunch sometime? What, what would it look like? You know, people you love, you eat with, you fellowship with. You just don't come and sit on the same pew or yeah. um, sit once or twice a week. But you get to know people. Um, you become more of a listener than a talker. You don't listen to reply. You listen to hear the heart of a person. Uh, is now is there a difference in the way uh, a black church and a white church fellowship they've noticed? You know, I just came from. I was at a white church in a revival last week, and then I came home and flew out to Oklahoma. White people go out to eat after church mm-hmm. every service. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know and. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes that's more important than the service, but not in the places where I just came from. Um, but black churches, we have church, we stand around, talk, and we go home. We don't necessarily go out to eat. I'm, I'm trying to figure out why. Um, so that would be one difference. And uh, does your church have kind of like uh, once every other week, Everyone gets together and does a potluck or something or anything like that. We have not gotten to that place yet. I want to. How do I get invited when you do get to that place? <laughs> Just I'll I'll text you and let oh. you know when we're cooking. And listen, I got some I'll ladies here that can cook a cake that make you slap your mama. Ooh, oh, good yeah. cake. I can that's, pretty that's much. Part about my church. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> slapping your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, <laughs> that's exactly I what think, I meant. And a, and think about slapping grandma. It's no. so good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh man. So, so the only thing I can cook is is basically red meat. Right? Mm. Yeah. I, oh, well, that's true. Breakfast. I make a mean mean breakfast. If you have a breakfast potluck, I they can cook grits. I don't. Okay. You don't know what you're doing. I only cook Japanese food. So. I don't really? Yeah. Great gravy. Most people don't. Saute. Really want me at the, mm-hmm. Most people don't really want me at the potluck. Yeah. 
we we've decided uh, Thursday we need to go bring Russell biscuits and gravy. Russell listens to this. Mm. I feel like it's worth mentioning. He needs biscuits and gravy. Now, but now we're we're taking a second look at our food and our potlucks and our dinners and trying to go a more healthier way. Less yeah, fried chicken, wise. more baked. Um, less macaroni and cheese, more greens. So baked baked chicken is okay. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Well, then you leave here and go buy the go buy the healthy. Yeah. It's important to be healthy most of the time, so that you can be unhealthy some sometimes. Of the time. Yeah. <laughs> We can't wait for KFC Sunday. Oh my! <laughs> that, that's not true. I've not, I've not been stocking up on any. I, I need to do better. Y'all thing, pray for me. Keep things the moving. The other day, he had to look up vegetables that weren't like potatoes and zucchini. Oh my! And green beans and mac and cheese. Well, I've noticed Carrots. that I preached on the West Coast. The further west I go, the less greens you have. But that's not that. So, pray for California, guys. Yeah, <laughs> you got muffins and you got salads, but no. Collards, turnips, cabbage, green beans. Probably in some areas. But did you ever go to uh, Whataburger when you're out there? Where I think, did I go there in Pennsylvania? Would that be in Pennsylvania? Maybe, I think Yeah. Because so. I've heard some horrendous things about Whataburger. Oh, the burgers it? are huge and yeah. greasy, and their large cups are like 60 ounces. Well, mm. I'm talking about good, though. TJ did have a question he wanted to ask. Okay. I'll, all right. I did think about this as an icebreaker question, but we figured we'd ask anyway. We wanted to ask something silly, and uh, it just turned out this was important to TJ. Okay. So, what is your favorite family recipe, if you have one? (laughs) You don't have to give us the recipe. If my sons are listening to this. Statons are notorious for great food. They are cracking up because, listen, I stopped cooking a year before the twins graduated. Just to make sure I had to have it down pat when they left home. Now, when they were home, um, when all the boys were home, I had four, I cooked two meals every day. Mm. But so, ooh, I don't cook. I, I'm just sorry, I don't cook. Uh, I had someone to bless me with a $400 pot for my birthday. Wow. What? From Amazon. This pastor in Alabama. And, you know, first when I opened it, I thought somebody was punking me because I don't cook. And uh, and um, because of my schedule, I still haven't had a chance to cook in the pot. $450. Wow. Yes. This lady loves me. Yeah. Sister so Dottie Williams, if you listen. I will use the pot. Yes. Well, I'm going to use it. I'm going to cook, Sister Dottie. I'm going to cook. I'm a cook in the pot. I promise you I am. You're just too busy to cook now. But, um, yes. Well, and then I don't want to. Um, <laughs> but I I used to make a mean pot roast mm-hmm. when I cooked. Um, well, okay. <laughs> when I cook in that pot. Yeah. Um, a mean pot roast, I could make a mean casserole for the boys. Um, so, what's it. your favorite recipe? You say you cook Japanese food. I cook Japanese food. But that's just me. It's not like a family thing. Mm-hmm. No one else even eats it. You still want to know your favorite Japanese recipe? Uh, probably just regular teriyaki chicken. Mm-hmm. Make, make a real teriyaki. Yeah, I use brown sugar, soy sauce. When do I get some? Uh, garlic salt? Okay. Crushed garlic if I have it. Uh, I use rice noodles sometimes, but that's mm-hmm. not. Fun. My now, favorite my recipe. My mom makes a mean sweet potato pie. Ooh, that sounds uh, great. My favorite family recipe is. Either my dad's gravy mm. or my mom's jambalaya. 
Oh, I love oh, that. Jumbo has. Oh, yeah. I, I, I eat that when I go good. to the um, Cheesecake Factory. They have Jumbo Oh, yes. Oh, see, I think I've never eaten My favorite of my own personal recipes is the like the chicken sausage stew I make. The cream chicken stew. That stuff's good. Never had mm-hmm. Oh, I have to make that for you sometime. That stuff's good. Also cheap to make. That's probably why Well, I'm not promising baby. anybody that I'm going to cook. We'll meet <laughs> at a restaurant <laughs> next time. Gotcha. But then uh, I think my favorite family recipe is um I don't I don't know what it's called. My grandma makes this like chicken with gravy, and uh, my chicken mom starts makes it too. No, no, it's just like it's baked chicken and gravy. But it's mm-hmm. like a special gravy she makes. Okay, is they gave me the recipe once. Apparently, I just can't make it. It doesn't taste anything like theirs. The same at all. Yeah, but my mom and granny they make it great. Mm-hmm. I've had it a total of four times in my life, and I've loved it every time. Okay, that's my granny made it once. I told her it was my favorite thing. She didn't make it again for like a decade. And then the only time I brought Tiffany over was my fiance. Mm-hmm. She made it again. And I was like, man, why don't I have this all the time? So apparently Tiffany's getting the recipe sent to her. So here's hoping mm-hmm. I get more of that chicken. Well, recipes like that, the secret is you Not do it. You made. have to be a mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't come out right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Made with Sounds love. Like a challenge. Yeah. yeah, you have to make it with love. Does and a dog can't do count? Because no. Tiffany does swear that dog came from her loins. Nope. <laughs> All right. Does not count. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we just do a couple just uh, segments right before we close off. Mm-hmm. Um, first one being, uh, we like to have what we call our God moment of the week. Okay. And that, that was started by Miss Mandy, right? Um, I don't. It was started by somebody. Mandy Miss Ma- Mandy. Yeah, Mandy yeah. McLaughlin okay. is the one who named it. I don't mm-hmm. know who started it. She named it. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, where anything the last week where it got you, challenged you, or enlightened you, or just been there for you mm-hmm. in any kind of way. Um, and we just like to share that with people so you know they know that we're real people and uh, <laughs> just keep up one another. Plus, it's uh, Murray and Dolores talked about it on their podcast as well as when they preached at camp. Yeah, they talk about it a lot now. Yeah, it's looking for the moments where God's interacting in your life just mm-hmm. enables you to see God more, which enables you to live better I don't word it yeah I don't word it anywhere near as good as they do y'all should listen to the Pastor of the Dying Church podcast to hear that <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my God moment for the week would have been um, I was preaching somewhere this past week um, did a revival at a ladies conference um, my message has changed I had the message that I wanted to preach um, but God had me to preach something different and usually if I'm preaching in a congregation, I, uh, at this point, after my divorce 20 years afterwards, I don't necessarily preach about divorce. But I shared a little bit about my life. And I was coming from the passage, Romans um, 28, um, where the Spirit itself knows our infirmities. Um, afterwards, they had the altar call. We had the altar call. Man came to the altar just beginning to pray, had a definite breakthrough, touch from God. And he stood up and he said, your words really bless me. He said he came down with a serious disease. His wife left him. His two of his students committed suicide. And the last straw was his mom died. And he said, you will never know looking at me how much your message meant to me. So that leads me to believe that even when I think I've messed up, because I really wanted to preach this other message, it would have been easier to preach. Yes. Um, 
But God had me to preach something different. Didn't know how it was going to work out, but it was obviously just what this gentleman needed. My God moment. So you don't have to always be right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know what you're doing. You don't have to, do to know. Well. <laughs> Faith works best when you don't know. That's the well, definition. Yes. We need to add that to our book of quotes from the Dolores podcast. <laughs> but, uh, well, Joshua, you want to do your God moment of the week? Or you, you want me to go first? I mean, you can. Wow, that's great. I'm so excited. I had an intense, weird God moment this week. We went bowling Friday night with some of the people from oh, work. Oh, I forgot. And mm-hmm. it's kind of late. Mm-hmm. It was. And me and. We started bowling at like 11. Yeah. Oh, we, had to, we had to wait till work was done. <laughs> so, yeah. It was, it was, it was like 11.20 by the time they. We. Did this. Uh, me and a couple of the other ones, we were going to play the second round of bowling. This is PM we by AM. Yeah, PM. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we were hungry, so we were going to go eat and then come back and play. So we wanted to do uh, Benny's Pizza downtown in Charlotte. And uh, we go to the car, everybody gets in the car, and I hear screaming. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I turn over, and there's this Honda Element. It's like a dark orange Honda Element. And uh, there's two young infants just screaming, the doors are closed, the windows are closed, like they're falling. One is covered in its own vomit and like choking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, hey guys, I think we should do something about Risky. this. Yeah. So the one girl runs over, throws the doors open. Another one picks the baby up who is, you know, choking and is trying to like take care of it. I ended up calling the police. And it was really weird because I was very level headed, mm-hmm. like almost Aren't unnaturally so. Mm-hmm. When I was like, huh. Yeah, I know exactly what to do here. Call mm-hmm. the cops, say exactly what's going on, read the license plate. The mm-hmm. mom comes up, takes the baby, puts it right back in its own vomit. Says, thank you, gets in the car and starts driving off. And I'm just on the phone. Just, okay, she's making a left at this yeah. street. Mm-hmm. Here's where she's going now. And they, they end up putting me straight through to the medic because I'm being very descriptive. And the dispatcher mm-hmm. was like, yeah, you're going to tell them more than I'm going to be able to remember. And I was like, all right. So they just put me straight through and I'm describing every single detail. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird because... It hit me that they were suffocating. This one, you know, was covered, it's choking. Yeah. And I was like, this baby's going to die. Yeah. And it was just one of those things where it's like, I I could feel God giving me more strength than mm-hmm. I had, you know? And it was just a really cool, I mean, not cool. It was just, it was unique to be able to be there and be like, yeah, God gave me that strength. Mm-hmm. And the other girl who, was, who picked up the baby and was ended up, like, keeping it from choking, was uh, Abby Hawkins, who had also been on the podcast before. So it was interesting to he- see her also, you know, doing cool, the work calm. of God in such a, you know, rural Charlotte kind of area. Was the mother it's, appreciative? I, I think she was just trying to get away because she knew I was she, on the phone with the cops. She was going to jail, yeah. yeah. Did they catch her? They never called me back, so I'm hoping they did, but okay. I, I don't know. And uh, mine actually happened today, doing one of my least favorite things, uh, listening to a podcast at 1.5 times speed with Joshua. Because <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it it's Phil Vischer's podcast, The Holy Post. <laughs> and he said something about uh, a relationship with the church and not with God. Mm-hmm. Like, going through church, but only going through the motions. Yeah. Like, not being intentional at all. And people raising their kids that way, and that being a terrible thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just made me, I'm calling on my parents. Uh, that <laughs> just made me realize that uh, I am. Okay. But uh, 
that is what they would do when I was younger. We mm-hmm. just go to church, and that was it. We've never talked about God. We would never talk about mm-hmm. the Spirit at all. We would just go to church. What'd you learn in Sunday school? Nothing. We colored Joseph's coat of many colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's just odd to think about mm-hmm. that uh, that is how I was raised. But that did stop towards mm-hmm. the, when I was 15-ish. We started talking about it more. But uh, it's just crazy how easy it is to fall into one of these bad habits that yes. most people don't even think of as Nonchalant. bad habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's mine from this past mm-hmm. week. Yeah. We did. We talked about how we would raise our kids. Mm-hmm. That was weird. How yeah, would you raise them? I'm going to give them my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely, I'm going to drop them off at your church. Yeah, you can. Um, <laughs> no, I, that I black know. lady! It gave, gave me a lot to think about personally. You know, they call me 1-800-RUN-A-BLACK-MAMA, but... All right, that, that's the big takeaway from this podcast. <laughs> I remember that. one eight hundred men of black mama. Yes. Oh man, I'll call that. Yeah, I, I might. But I, turns out I've never thought about raising a kid before until the day. And I was mm. like, absolutely no idea. Abram just had did. his first baby. Oh god, that's right. That's scary. She'll only stop crying when he holds her. Yeah, we saw pictures. Did you did you finally make it to see her? I saw a picture the other day. I did. I I still haven't held her yet. Um, I did a round trip. Um, for her birth last Thursday to Savannah. Came back, uh, had church, then had a revival, came home, mm-hmm. flew to Oklahoma, got home yesterday. All work. Just yes. Busy. That's not your first grandbaby, is it? No, I have I Chase and I have Kennedy. And Chase is a track star I'd like for the world to know. <laughs> he is sixth in the nation. Wow. For six-year-olds. Wow. He's fast. I didn't know a six-year-old did track. Yes. Now you know. He says, I asked him, Chase, could you beat me? Easy, Grandma. Easy. 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 I used to think that about my dad, but uh, (laughs) apparently he had uh, speed records at his middle school still. Really? Yeah, I was wrong. He's so much faster than me. Scared the crap out of me. So, uh, you want to go ahead and start closing us out? Uh, That's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Consider supporting us on Patreon for as little as three dollars a month, uh, for, or for as much as twenty. Yeah, you can give us a one-time donation of like three thousand dollars. That'd be great. Yeah, um, we are still doing the deal if they if we get twenty subscribers, right? Oh yeah, if yeah. we get twenty supporters within the next month. Or something. I think we just said it whenever it happens. Yeah, whenever we get twenty Patreon supporters, I'm gonna shave my head bald, and Josh was gonna wax his beard off. Yeah. You get you to have a video of me fun. being in pain. Take your head off. Let me see what you got. Oh, yeah. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I can't wait. I, I need people to do it quick so I can uh, see TJ Ball. Mm-hmm. That's all I really want. Follow us on Spotify if you aren't already. On Apple Podcasts, Google Play, yeah, Leave Stitcher. us a comment or send us an email so we can read more of y'all's feedback on the podcast. And so that we can Tell me how better. I did. Yeah, yeah. She, she would let like us know how Sylvia <laughs> did. See if we want her on for a second episode. <laughs> put it, we put it to a vote. Right? <laughs> and uh, emails at the whole church at gmail.com. Gmail. Not com. the whole church podcast, just the whole church. And uh, who are some future guests we have, Joshua? Sylvia State. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia um, State for episode two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Becky Walker is coming back. Becky Walker is coming back. Yeah, we have a few repeats coming. Okay. We have a lot, actually. Yeah. 
Jeff White, uh, Robert McLaughlin. Yes. Fisherman. Um, I've been in contact with some of the people from the Billy Graham Library, as well as some people from the Hope of Israel, which is a Messianic Jewish church in Uptown Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting. I have somebody I'd like to see you interview. Nice. His name is C.T. Kirk, um, a prominent pastor here oh. in Rock Hill. Young Pastor, he preached for me at youth camp for Can two I get years. The information? Yeah. I'll give it to yeah, you. All right, so he's also a future guest. Yes. CT Perk and a couple more. And my recommendation, I want to thank you all for inviting me to be your guest today. Thank you for being here. It was fun. We're looking forward to it. We have one more guest at the end of the season, right? At the end of the season, of course, we'll have Francis Chan. He just doesn't know it yet. Thanks for listening.